special thank you to our sponsor, Associated Industries of Massachusetts, also known as AIM. AIM is the largest business association in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. To learn more about AIM, you can visit aimnet.org. That's A-I-M-N-E-T dot org. Hi, I'm Juliet Mayers. Welcome to Entering the Inspiration Zone with Juliet Mayers, a podcast for business professionals and entrepreneurs seeking positive connection and professional development. As an accomplished author, speaker, DEI strategist, and member of Forbes Coaches Council, I am living the dream, and I love helping others achieve their dreams. Each episode, I will share with you actionable steps that you can take to build the work and life you've imagined. Welcome to episode six. I'm Juliet Mayers, and I'm delighted to have with me David Meerman Scott. And David is the author of numerous books, but the one that we're going to focus on is The New Rules of Marketing and PR. And so welcome, David. Hey, thanks, Juliet. Great to be here. I'm so happy to be able to speak with you today. Wonderful to have you. And so we're going to start, focus on this particular episode on the very topic of David's book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. And we're going to take it from the angle, understanding that not all of our audience are marketers or people in public relations, but really how do these principles apply to professionals or just everyday people as well. And I actually think they are very applicable. And so I'm really excited to get started. But before we get into the topic, we are going to start by getting a little bit of background from David, who has a fascinating background. So David, will you tell us, tell our listeners about your journey and help us understand who David is? Sure. Happy to. So after I got a college, I thought I wanted to be a bond trader. I thought I wanted to work on Wall Street. And I did get a job on a bond trading desk, but I hated it. (laughs) Uh, And I was terrible at it. Um, I hated being in a closed room barking into telephones. But what I really did like is the information that bond traders were using. Um, Companies like Dow Jones and Reuters who provided the information So I spent 15 years in the real-time financial information business. And fortunately, I also spent 10 years of those 15 working in Asia. So I worked in Tokyo for seven years. I worked in Hong Kong for two years. I spent a lot of time in other Asian countries, uh, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, Korea, and so on. And what was great for me to do that, and I think you'd appreciate this, Julia, is I was minority. I was a minority for 10 years of my career because I was working in Asia. And I think as a white man, having an opportunity to spend 10 years as being a minority helped me out a tremendous amount. I married a Japanese woman. We have one daughter who's obviously mixed race. And that also has helped me a lot to understand the perspective of, in the case of my wife, an immigrant, a Japanese person, um, an Asian living in this country. And then in the case of my daughter, who's mixed race, 
half Japanese, half American is how, or well, she's all American, but half Japanese, half white is how, how does that type of person who doesn't fit into a particular bucket, how does she fit in, in a world of DEI? So that was great. And those things are really important when it comes to marketing. Um, I left the corporate world because I was fired (laughs) (laughs) back in 2002. And 2002, I I was the vice president of marketing of a piece of a a part of a business of Thomson Reuters. And 2002 was it was early 02. It was right after 9/11, essentially, and there were no jobs. And so I had to figure out how I was going to earn a living. And fortunately. I ended up like you deciding to go out on my own and I've been happily unemployed <laughs> for 20 <laughs> years and I've been focusing on marketing and public relations specifically on the web for that 20 years. I've written 12 books, four of those books are international bestsellers. My books are in 30 languages. I speak all over the world on these ideas. I've presented at conferences or events in nearly 50 countries over the last uh, couple of decades. Wow. Congratulations. That, that is just an amazing, amazing uh, background. And I knew a lot of it, but some of it is new. And uh, it, it's fantastic to, to hear your story. And it certainly makes for a very interesting perspective. So, so, so thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else, David, that you'd like to share before we jump in? Well, you know, what's interesting to me is and and I'm sure that we'll talk about this in other in other ways but what's interesting to me is how many businesses especially big businesses and I know that you've worked in very large organizations like I have mm-hmm. completely miss the mark around how they communicate with existing and potential customers mm-hmm. you know they they just focus on this corporate kind of approach they use stock photos and those are so inhuman they use got what I call gobbledygook language, like innovative, mission critical, cutting edge, best of breed. You know, these, these overused corporate buzzwords I call gobbledygook that have no meaning. And so many organizations are only focused on talking about their own products and services rather than understanding the needs of existing and potential customers. So I've spent the last 20 years trying to break that down and educate Mm -hmm. um, people around different ways to do marketing, different ways to communicate, different ways to do customer support. That's a much more human approach. It's a much more focus on how we as individuals actually communicate rather than this crazy kind of corporate speak that for whatever reason, businesses have adopted over the years. Yeah, it's amazing. And perhaps that's why your book has done so well, right? The the new rules. I think many of us, and I, as I mentioned, in a former life was a marketing executive. And many of us grew up in a world where you kind of had to speak, stick to the script, right? Relative to how you communicate, how you communicate the exact words to use, and, and a lot of restrictions, quite frankly, in terms of the human interaction and dynamic. So my question, David, is for those who, people who are in corporate America, which many of our listeners are, and who are trying to break out to be more human, particularly right now in this age that we're living in with COVID-19 and all of the the different ways in which we've had to adapt to, what advice would you have for them? You know, because obviously they have to 
toe the party line, right, to, to some degree. And at the same time, it's so important to apply that human element and aspect that you talk about. So um, two, two thoughts. Um, the first thought is how critically important it is to have a human approach. So one um, pretty basic suggestion I have is to understand deeply the people that you're trying to reach. I use a term called buyer personas. And the idea of buyer personas is familiar to many people, but it's the idea of understanding very deeply the people you're trying to reach. And by buyers, I mean as well existing customers, or if you run a nonprofit, that would might mean donors or people who are volunteering their time. So the catch-all word buyers is inclusive of many different types of organizations. And so I specifically think that it's a great idea for people to interview existing and potential customers and mm -hmm. get an understanding of who they are as people and what words and phrases do they use and how right. do they solve problems and so on and create the way that you communicate by focusing on them and by their needs as opposed to what most, or most organizations do, which is have a, a top-down approach that's primarily focused on product. And I right. think the reason we have that top-down approach is because up until the last decade or so, we really didn't have a choice as right. businesses other than to use what I call the old rules of marketing, which are that you had to spend money on advertising to generate attention. Right. But today, we don't have to spend money on advertising. We can reach people directly by creating interesting information and publishing it ourselves. You're doing that right now by creating right. a podcast, right. or we can do it by creating a blog or YouTube videos or, or having a social media feed or email newsletters, all sorts of great websites. All of these are different ways that we can reach people directly without having to spend money on advertising. So I want to get on a, on a different way to answer the same question. Okay. I've had a lot of people ask me a similar kind of question, which is, David, you know, I've been working at this company for, for years, and I know that they're doing the marketing and communications the wrong way. I know that, you know, this focus on things like stock photography, this focus on product uh, generated information, this focus on using these approved buzzword languages and press releases that are that a human being can't even understand because it's written in st such stilted language. That I know that's wrong. And how do I make a difference? And I think that anyone who's struggling with that, I believe, have three choices. Choice number one is that you can choose to become a change agent in your organization. You can say, you can stand up to the bosses and say, hey, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do this a different way. This is not right. This is not appropriate. <laughs> and that's going to lead to one of two things. That's either going to it's either going to work really well and you're going to get a promotion because you know that that's the right way to communicate, or you might get fired. And that's what happened to me. May not I, end I well. <laughs> I, I literally decided that I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And um, I said, this is a dumb way to market. You know, the company I was working for spent more money on postage than any other thing in the marketing department, postage for direct mail. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think that's the right way to spend money in the marketing department. 
But anyway, I got fired. So I, you know, that's what happened to me. So this, that's the first thing that you can potentially do. The second thing you can potentially do is what you and I did, which is just start our own business and do it ourselves. And the third thing is you can just go along with it. You know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You have a job, you have a paycheck coming in, you're supporting your family and you can just go along and say, you know what? I know this isn't right. I'm just going to go along. And, and I think those are the three choices. And I think as long as you recognize that those are the three choices, yeah. you can be an agent of change. You can just go along and go with the flow or you can quit. As long as you know those are the three choices, I don't think that it makes any sense to sort of stew about the fact that your organization is doing marketing and communications and dealing with clients in a way that isn't appropriate because you do have a role in that one way or another. I, I would agree with that. I do think that it's important, right? From a, I, I get it, and I'm sure you do too, because this is what you do. From a brand standpoint, it's important to protect the organization's brand and to have consistency. So I think there's, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of this pe- companies look at it as, oh, well, it's more efficient, and we want to make sure people are using consistent, you know, branding and so forth. And so there's that piece. But I have to tell you that I actually with that. The change agent one resonated with me because I was in that a situation such as that. And I'll tell you a quick story where I literally had to make a decision. I was in a situation where I had to launch an initiative that where I didn't really have, didn't necessarily agree with the approach that was being taken. And I, I had to be that change agent and I had the most knowledge about it. And I took the risk. And went ahead and, and did it and involved other people and, and had the network to pull it off. Although not all of our listeners may have that. So I want to want you to talk a little bit more about, so for the person who is in a change agent role, who may not necessarily have the political capital to pull it off, what would you recommend? What are some tangible ways that people can make change relative to migrating towards the new rules without necessarily throwing in the towel? So um, I have two thoughts there that have both been successful in my world and that I've had people tell me have been successful in their worlds. The first one is that you can quietly achieve results by doing something different and doing it in a way that you're not going to like completely screw up what is already going on in the organization. I'll, I'll just give you a, I'll give you a more, a very, very specific example about that. I, I've had people who've told me that there's been pushback on them creating a, either a social media initiative or starting a blog or doing a YouTube channel or starting a podcast or doing something like that. And they've chosen to just quietly begin doing it. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want you to do something like this and get in trouble. But at the same time, I know a number of people have just done that. And if it ends up being successful, how can the rest of the organization deny that this is something that we should be doing? So, so that's something that I know some people have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you may not work in an organization where that is something that's even possible. But that's one idea. The second idea that I've had personal success with back when I was in the corporate world is going above the person who is your direct supervisor and the people who are just directly one level above you. 
And I don't mean like do that in a way that you're going around your boss. I don't mean mm-hmm. that, but rather, um, you know, sooner or later, you may have an opportunity to sit next to your boss's boss at lunch mm-hmm. um, or on an airplane or at a conference or in a meeting or something. And you may have an opportunity without saying anything bad about your, your direct boss, but to say, look, you know, I've been thinking, and I think it'd be really great if we were to go beyond the way we're doing marketing today, which is very predictable and getting everything set ahead of time and do do some real-time marketing, you know, be active on real-time social media. Right. And I think that, you know, our clients are real-time, you know, our clients are reaching out to us and they expect an instant response, but we're not responding instantly. We're responding after a day or two or three. And I think that that can help the business. Mm-hmm. I think it can help us make more sales. And I've had people who've told me, and I, and I know in my case, I've been successful, that if you do that diplomatically, because <laughs> you right. don't want to annoy your direct boss, <laughs> but if you can do that diplomatically, you may end up having an opportunity to do something that, frankly, your direct boss is probably scared of. They may know it's right, right but right. they're scared of it because they're scared of their boss. Right. So going to their boss sometimes yeah. can work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and oftentimes underlying a lot of these things with fear, right? And, and how much social capital, social and political capital, does the person who's doing it have, which gets back to not, not just thinking about the organization's brand, but also the individual's brand. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, I think that's yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. right. Yeah. You, yeah. Don't, you don't necessarily want to be on your, your first day on the job and immediately go to your boss's boss. But you know, do it if, yeah. if you're confident that, that you're doing a good yeah. job, you're confident that your ideas are ideas that mm-hmm. should be tried. And for some reason, you're experiencing a roadblock. Like I said, you can be an agent of change, mm-hmm. you can go with the flow, or you can quit. Those are the only three <laughs> choices. There are no more choices. Those three. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, lots to ponder there, that one. And, and you know, pick, picking back up a, a little bit on the, the personal brand piece, but because when I think about some of the things that you, you talked about and pivoting a little bit, because we've been talking a lot about inside the organization. There's also this wonderful concept that you have of newsjacking. So for the for the entrepreneurs or for the people who have the independence and freedom to act on their own behalf or act on their company's behalf because they're in full control of that, uh, I found that concept to be very interesting. Talk about newsjacking a bit. Sure, of course. Newsjacking is the art and science of injecting your ideas into a breaking news story. And it's a concept I pioneered more than a decade ago. And I I was able to come up with the idea, as I mentioned in the beginning of our discussion, because I work in the real-time news business. So I understand how the real-time news business works. And basically, when there's a story that's breaking in the news, reporters and editors are looking for somebody who knows about that particular subject because they need to quote an expert. Mm -hmm. And so if you're able to push your expertise out into the marketplace of ideas when the time is right, that can generate interest among the media, but it can also sometimes generate interest among your customers and potential customers to generate new business. 
And newsjacking has become so popular, by the way, that it's now listed in the Oxford English Dictionary, which is super cool. Um, Congratulations. I'm proud. proud, Yeah, (laughs) thank you. I'm really proud of the fact that it's a concept I pioneered is so popular, it's now listed in the dictionary. And I think that that means that um, it's not just an entrepreneur that can do that, although they Mm -hmm. certainly can, but also people in big companies can do newsjacking. I'll give you a real quick example of, of each of those. Um, one of the news, the stories in the, the eighth edition of the New Rules of Marketing and PR is the story of Russell Alexander. Russ is a lawyer in Canada, and he focuses on family law. And during the beginning of the um, COVID crisis, uh, family law was affected in a big way because if two parents were divorced, and one parent wanted their child to go to in-person school and another parent wanted the child to go to virtual school, that was a huge conflict. Or if one parent wanted their child to go to summer camp and the other said, no, I don't want them to go to summer camp, that became a legal issue. And this was law that had never been tested before. So Russ Alexander became the worldwide expert, the number one guy on COVID-19 and family law in Canada. And so um, he created the COVID-19 and Family Law Resource Center on his website. He did YouTube videos. He created a Mm -hmm. podcast. He started doing blog posts. He did a bunch of great content. And that newsjacking on this news story of, hey, COVID-19 and Family Law, Mm -hmm. he then ended up getting quoted in dozens and dozens of newspaper and magazine and radio and television stories. And he grew his business so much, he had to hire five new lawyers to help him to keep up with the business. So that's a small business. I think Mm -hmm. Russ's business is, I think he's about 30 or 40 people in his law practice. Mm -hmm. Um, A much bigger business is, I recently had a conversation with, I'll say it this way, one of the largest ride-sharing companies in the world. (laughs) And the conversation was really interesting because what they told me was, David, we were able to do some amazing newsjacking because we realized that the price of fuel of gasoline has become a huge issue because the prices have been rising so quickly over the last few months, because of the, particularly because of the war in the Ukraine. And so what they told me is they created a fuel surcharge index where they tracked the price of fuel And they did two things with that. Number one, they um, agreed that the drivers should get bonuses based on the fuel surcharge index because they were have to pay out of pocket for their fuel. So they made the drivers happy. And then the fuel surcharge index became something that the media picked up on as a way of measuring how expensive it is to ride in ride hailing companies, as well as to measure basically the price of fuel. Mm-hmm. And they had a, they did a fabulous job with that. They got tons of media attention. And yeah. this was something that because of their expertise, because of the work they do, they were able to pull that off. So yeah. anybody can do newsjacking. Anybody can apply their own expertise yeah. to the news stories that are going on in the marketplace. Yeah, that that's a, a- Great, great concept, and one that I was very intrigued by when I, when I saw it. You know, the the one that that resonated with me was, uh, you know, I think it was um, Madame Tussauds, yeah, Wax Museum, <laughs> and uh, and what they did around news newsjacking. So, so these are all very, very important 
aspects of, of the work. And I want to give you an opportunity, David, to share, is there anything else that we have not yet talked about? Because in a minute, I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners your how they can reach you. But in, sure. in the meantime, is there anything that we haven't yet covered that you think is important for our listeners to, to know? I do. I think I've been in the marketing and communications most of my career, all but the very beginning of my career. So quite a few, several decades. And when I first started doing marketing, it was a job. It wasn't that much fun mm -hmm. because it was hard to get attention. If I had to pay for it, it was hard to get attention. Doing marketing and communications now is super fun because, you know, we can, we can communicate with, we can do what we're doing right now. We can right. have a conversation, right? We can have a super, right. do, super conversation, record it, push it out there. Yeah. And that becomes a way of, of marketing. We can, we talked about newsjacking. We can pay attention to what's going on in the news and create something interesting like Russ Alexander with his COVID-19 and Family Law Research Center. So, and we can create social media feeds, whether that's on Twitter or TikTok or whatever it is, and that serves as a way to generate attention for our businesses. So I think what I'd like to leave listeners with is this idea that you don't have to think of marketing as, as like a job, <laughs> but rather, rather think about this as an opportunity to do something creative and interesting and fun, which then generates attention for you and for your business. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Well said. You know, and one other thing that I, I'd love to add to that, because the personal branding piece of it for people is also important. And that's an area where I know many people feel like, well, I'm not, I don't necessarily have the, a major book or I don't have, you know, all of the tools and the, the knowledge that someone like you may have, David, but uh, how important it is to even though start where, wherever you are, right? Begin wherever you are to one, read these, read about these concepts, read David's books. I have a number of them. Uh, there are a number of editions. I, so this, this latest one's eight, right? <laughs> yeah, this is um, the, this the, is eighth, the eighth. eighth. It originally eighth, came eighth. out in 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now we're in the eighth edition. Yeah, and really think about not just your organization, but your you as an individual brand as well, because all of that, it all ties together. So I want to take this opportunity to thank you, David, for spending yeah. some time and sharing your knowledge. And also, I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can reach you. Sure. So it's actually another one of the new rules is how to reach <laughs> me, because uh, I think it's important for people to be thinking about how easy or difficult it might be for people to reach them on the web. And for me, 20 years ago, I recognized it was difficult because my name is David Scott. And there are a whole bunch of David Scotts out there. There's a David Scott who's a member of Congress from Georgia. There's a David Scott who's an Ironman triathlon champion. There's a David Scott who walked on the moon as the commander of <laughs> Apollo 15. And none of those people are me. So I started using my middle name, Meerman, uh, professionally 20 years ago because I wanted to be able to be found um, on search engines. And um, if somebody went to Facebook or somebody went to uh, LinkedIn. So I am the only David Meerman, M-E-E-R-M-A-N, Scott in the, in the world. So if you Google my name, you find me and only me. 
If you want to learn a little bit more about the idea of newsjacking, you can go to newsjacking.com. That's a website I maintain. Um, DavidMearmanScott.com to learn more about me and, and see some of my speeches on, on video and so on. And on most of the social networks, I'm DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T, for, for example, Twitter and Instagram. Terrific, terrific. Well, thank you again, David. And to all our listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, thank you for joining us on Entering the Inspiration Zone. Until next time, we would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to join our mailing list, please send an email to info at inspirationzonellc.com. That's info at inspirationzonellc.com. And be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a fabulous day.